Hello and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So let's delve right in. So today we're going to be talking about Av, the month of Av, what it, what this mourning period is about. Um, I was actually discussing with you a couple seconds ago um, about different um, myths, I guess, that different people have regarding Av and the heebie-jeebie bad things happen. So let's just talk about all the, all the things, all the aspects of Av and really get to understand better more about what it means for us to be mourning, what it means for us to be um, abstaining from doing certain things due to the mourning, and a whole bunch of other interesting and relevant things for us to know. So, welcome to another episode, everybody. (laughs) And here we go. Abba, we were just discussing about how I have this thing where, in my mind, I remember um, hearing more than being taught that during the nine days, um, there's a little bit of like a heebie-jeebie vibe because there's a whole bunch of bad things that happen to us in history during these nine days. That's more of a serious time. And therefore we don't do activities that um, have more of a potential for risk, like swimming or uh, going rappelling or whatever, because there's this, um, I'm just going to call it like a heebie-jeebie kind of thing where um, because bad things happen in the past in the nine in the during the nine days there's like this tendency or this um it's not a tendency it's a um help fill me out with the word here like a leaning like a leaning towards more bad things happening also in those in these days so only that was where my education went wrong so that's good yeah there. because because starting <laughs> from there it's it's really it's about mourning it's not about taking risks it's about mourning and doing things that are tremendously fun or tremendously delightful, like a nice splash in a lake, a nice cool lake on a hot day is just a delight. But we refrain from doing those delightful things because we're in mourning, just like a person who's in mourning doesn't take a hot shower. Mm-hmm. So we don't just get in the hot shower for the sake of getting that delicious hot shower vibe where you just relax and... It has to be for some purpose, which has to do with cleanliness or some other mundane need. But it's not, there's, there's, we don't do things that are delightful or particularly special, take special trips. Now, the part that you're talking about is that there is this idea of Isra Masle, that there is a, such a thing as that as the Jewish people as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not that we have this uh, understanding that there's something about a mazel, something about the the constellations or the way things roll in the world, which is maybe what you refer to as heebie-jeebie, that is, seems to be our luck is down in these months. But it, it doesn't really translate to an individual level as much as it does on a national level. Um, and I think that um, there are certain halachas in Shulchan Aruch that say, for example, that a person should not uh, do big deals on, you know, if you, if you can push a deal off till after the nine days, so do the big, you're going to buy a big building for millions of dollars, you're going to make, you know, you know, sign that uh, paper to, to, to buy that house that you've been dreaming, you know, like don't, it's best not to do it during this time, 
it's best to do it after the nine days of period of mourning that start from the beginning of the month of Av until the ninth day of Av are over. And that's... Now, I personally think, I personally think that the real idea of that is to kind of um, be syntonized, it's that's Spanish, but to be like more in sync. Aligned. Aligned with times of tragedy that have befallen the Jewish people. So if if you really felt that this was a time of like the greatest tragedies that the Jewish people have uh, experienced, it's not something that you would want to do if it was something personal. Mm-hmm. If a person really went through hell, you know, and, and you could know like when it happens, that time of the year would be a time where of reflection and of perhaps more solemnity, um, but not of uh, whoopity, let's do that trip we're waiting to do and let's do this and that. So ultimately it always comes down to how much are we connecting to the national tragedy? How much are we connecting to the national um, welfare, you know, and our history? And what does that say about us now going forward? Hmm. If we don't, yeah. So the nine days is an opportunity for us to really um, establish a sensitivity for the period where very tragic things happen to us as a nation. Yeah. So we try to go through the nine days more solemn, abstaining from things that are more joyful and pleasurable. Right. I'm sure you're aware of the, the, that's the saying that was quoted from Napoleon when he, you know, was doing his investigations about Mm -hmm. the Jews of France and, and he wanted to see exactly like where they stand. Are they Frenchmen? Are they, you know, where, what are their alliances? But one of the, th- even though it didn't come out so great in favor of the Jews, and a lot of certain edicts were uh, very questioning the Jewish practice, but one of the things, even though he, he didn't particularly like, because it made them less French, but, um, but he was willing to, he was willing to uh, admit that it was impressive, was the fact that every year the Jews mourn a temple that was destroyed thousands of years ago. And uh, he said he said something along the lines of, you know, people that's able to mourn the um, their 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 commonwealth for so so many years afterwards is definitely bound to see it rebirthed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so in other words, it's it's a it's it's a respect for the past, but it's also with the eyes towards the future. Like always, it's it's not just like uh, let's just wallow in the sorrows of the past, but it's like what are we going to do about it? Right. Um, and perhaps we can talk about that now. Um, like, what's the point of the morning? Uh, a lot of the ethos of like what it means to be part of the Jewish people, mm-hmm. um, that type of like bittersweet feeling that you get very often. Um, try to capture a little bit of the essence of that when it comes to Rosh Chodesh, because you had said... You know, Rosh Chodesh seems to be a happy day. The, the first day of the month is normally uh, more of a day to celebrate, and yet, festive, <clears throat> right? Yet on on Av, this becomes the day which is actually wrapped up in the in the morning of the nine days. So, so what is it about the month of Av and the beginning of the month of Av that's kind of wrapped up there? If it normally Rosh Chodesh is a happy day, so maybe we'll start there and then we'll see where we go. So I told you the. It's actually counterintuitive, but actually the way we know that the month of Av, no, the way we know that every Rosh Chodesh, that every first day of the month is actually a special day, is because the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, um, it's actually in Pasuk in Eicha, it says, Kara alai moed l'shbar b'achurai. 
right? That, that God calls a special day, a special moment, a special moment in time, which is a moed, which is normally, normally has positive and festive connotations, a moed, right? All of our holidays are called moadim because they're special times, right? But this is also called a special time, and it's understood in our tradition to refer to the first day of Av, or at least the month of Av, Karlai Mo'ed, Lishbor Bachurai, to break my chosen ones. Okay, so, so the context of the Pasuk is incredibly solemn and sad and, and, and mournful, but, but still, at the same time, we're learning that the source of the festivities or the specialness of the day of Rosh Chodesh, the first day of the month, is actually born out of this Pasuk, so that that uh, that conundrum there is a little bit, um, I guess, a good place to start this conversation. So why is it that way? You know, why is it that that we do that? Why is it that the, the, the rabbis thought that in this pasuk is actually the source of of how Rosh Chodesh can be at one hand a festive special time, but at the same time it's a festive special time that brings with it, you know, the greatest tragedies. So it's interesting because I was, when you mentioned it the first time, it felt somewhat comforting because it's, it makes, it brings the period of tragedy to a limited space. Like if as a people going through suffering and going through tragedy, I feel like the most, the scariest part of pain and suffering is when you don't know when it's going to end or you don't know when it's going to come. It's that like uncertainty that almost like eats you alive. Yeah, I always quote that song from Jorge Drexler that says, uh, I don't remember what the name of the song is, but it's Todo tiene su fin, la tristeza también. Right. Like people need to know that like everything comes to an end. Mm -hmm. Even the things that you think are never going to end because they're so bad. This was my epiphany when we went paintballing. And like the paintball hits you and you're like, ow. <laughs> but then a couple of minutes later, you're like, all right, I don't really feel the pain anymore. So we can do that again. <laughs> it's like pain and, and suffering and sadness and even, even joy and happiness. Everything comes to an end and there's always cycles with everything. Um, but I feel like in this case, going back to, to the Pasuk, it's, it's somewhat um, comforting to know that this isn't going to be forever. There's, God is choosing a time in which we will suffer and, and there will be a beginning and an end to the time and then it will pass. I, I, I don't know, choose a time where we will suffer it forever. It's that, it's that um, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's, it's, it's that it's an auspicious time that God chose then to, to bring punishment. That, that's what the Navi is trying to say. Like It wasn't just, uh, it was a foreseen uh, moment in time where the where the destruction of the temples happened, where the dispersion of the people happened, where the the historic like harbinger for these things to happen was going on in the times of the spies. You know that that's why amazingly, like the 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 tradition kind of brings together you know thousands of years of history and converges it on this one day or a couple days of the month of Av as if. Like it was all foretold, really, that this was going to happen at this time because, um, because of our behavior in the past. Mm-hmm. The behavior of the past is basically a behavior of like, we're all alone. You know, we're just a bunch of uh, forlorn, 
individuals stuck in a desert and we don't know where we're going and the lack of trust in God and that feeling just bears its fruit in this time where that's really the, the essence of the, of the punishment of people just, we became bereft. We became like untethered, unconnected. Hmm. The, 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 it's a consequence of your, it's like Chazal always says, like a, the, the son is riding on the shoulders of the father and uh, he's like, you know, living it up. And then somebody walks by and he says, hey, have you seen my father around? Like, that's really lonely up here. Um, so that, so the father likes, uh, says, well, I guess it's not really doing you a service to carry you on my shoulders. So he puts him down and walks away. And that's when the child actually feels like, oh, now I'm really alone because I chose to ignore the father I was actually sitting on. And then, you know, he has to work his way to get back up on those shoulders again. But uh, the, 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 the tools, you know, the tools that God uses to, to remind us of what our real story is here in this world are those tools that he refers to when he says, this is the time that I chose to break my chosen ones. To break them means to break them down in order to be able to realize who they are, what they are, what their purpose is. Ultimately, that's the way we understand the purpose of these sufferings. Right. But I, w- I would like to, um, would like to expand on that a little bit because I think, I think one of the issues that's always um, that's always crossing our minds is that there's individual suffering and then there's um, national yeah. suffering, right? And I think that it's important for us to understand that what we're trying to do is we're trying to. Um, connect to the national identity, right? Now, when, when, when we go through moments of the year and connecting to the national identity during other moadim, other special times like holidays, we're also trying to do the same thing, right? But somehow, in, the, in times of mourning, it seems to be, be brought out a lot starker, a lot stronger, the, our identity and our connection to the national to the national um, feeling. And I think, you know what I'm saying? Because when, when we're mourning together as a nation, it seems to be that that brings us together more. At least in, it's think... natural because like when there's a calamity, mm-hmm. like you see in Israel today, you know, when things are going okay, there's not, you don't feel that sense of connection. But when, when things are dire and uh, difficult and everybody's living it, then there's a certain sense of uh, camaraderie, of affinity uh, in the group. Because we're all going through it together. Right. I just, real, a little bit of a sidetrack here, but I just can't stop thinking about um, how, like there's, we always ask this question about how come we, God says that the children don't get punished for the, sin, for the sins of their parents. Um, and as you were describing how um, for generations and generations, there's this, um, calamity that happens during the same same period of time due to the initial um, due to the initial um, arrogance, loneliness, or bereftness that that were, that was self imposed um, due to whether it was um, haughtiness or, or lack of connection. Then there seems to be this just decree of generations of punishment continuously um just how do we understand that if we're saying that 
we don't carry out the punishment and the for for our parents. Okay, so that's a good segue to what we want to talk about, I think, because um, there are different interpretations, because the two there are two uh, verses in the Torah. One says that what you're saying, and another says that's actually written in the uh, in the tablets in the in the in the luchos, in the two tablets. It says. Um, <clears throat> Um, that God remembers the sins of the fathers for three and four three generations, generations ahead. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, I, I, my personal belief is that, and I think this is borne out also in different sources, but that they're talking about different things. When you talk about national calamities and you're talking about national life, um, I think that that's what it means that there's the the sins of the fathers are are revisited three and four generations ahead, and I think that's only a natural um, that's only a natural um, outcome. In other words, let's say you have kings or governors or whatever it is of the state of Israel of the, of the nation of Israel that are really making bad decisions, and they're really forgetting what it is to be us. And what it is to be the nation of Israel, and they're forgetting their charter, so to speak, and they're really making bad decisions, you know, like you read in Tanakh. So that will affect the nation for three to four generations, because it, it's just bad policy. So it'll become you'll you'll have to suffer it until it's it works its way out of the system. Uh-huh. There's a lot of times, like even if you look, I haven't tested this out, you know. Actually, I don't know. I don't think it's really that provable from the stories in Tanakh. But you'll have like. <clears throat> one king who's like really not good, and then another, another, but already maybe the fourth generation, like a king will like revert back to get back on track. Mm-hmm. That kind of an idea, just to bring it out, right? Right. So you have Yoshiahu who comes after a whole string of kings, and you have Ehud, you know, who comes after a certain string of like Shoftim that are, you know, or whatever. Ehud's not a good, a good example, but the point is, um, that's the idea. Whereas, whereas, whereas suffering because of sins of parents as an indiv- on an individual level, that's not, that doesn't happen. In other words, if we're getting into a, th- this type of conversation about the Chodesh Av always gets, you know, dovetails into the idea of hashkach, of, of, um, of providence, right? So I think when we talk about providence in the Torah, we're always talking about providence that specific providence, individualistic or individual providence towards the nation. The Torah never refers to a particular type of providence that you could in any way <clears throat> map or, or, or predict when it comes to individuals. I mean, on that, the rabbis say, like we don't understand, we, we can't put our, our head, or, we can't put our finger and we can't get our head around the the fortunes of individuals in this world that's something that only god knows and he, he never revealed to us what it would mean to understand that how individuals fare in this world however national fortune the national fortune is that what the torah says in greater terms like you do these things and these things happen if you do these things and these other things happen mm-hmm. and that's why we always say that if if we're not restoring the commonwealth with the Beit HaMikdash, it's because we deserve not to have it restored. As a nation. As a nation, right? As a nation, we're failing. Mm. So you're, you're differentiating the, the din or the justice that, that um, 
that we each receive on an individual level versus a communal level. Right. So when we're talking about the suffering of, of generations before us, you're saying as a child, of an, as an individual, as a child, you particular won't, God won't particularly bring out punishment on you due to the sins of your father. But as a nation, we as a nation will still be feeling the repercussions of sins or bad decisions for three to four generations on a communal level, like when it comes to kings, like when it comes to policy, mm-hmm. like when it comes to the destruction of the temple. Well, the destruction of the temple will be an outcome. We're talking about sins. The sins, you know, can replicate. Can but replicate. The destruction of the temple was the epitome of the justice that we deserved due to the actions that we were taking. Yeah, but I'm saying that the destruction is not something that reverberates in time. It happens, and then Mm -hmm. it's it's, it's an outcome. Right. Um, So, so yeah, so as far as an individual level, on an individual level, um, we have very little to go on. We, we, we have a tradition that says there's no such thing as dying. There's no dying without sin. And there's no tribulations. There's no <clears throat> suffering without sins, without some sin. Mm-hmm. Right? But, we don't, but those words themselves are not clear. Like what exactly are, is suffering? Suffering for one is not necessarily suffering for the other. Right? And we don't necessarily know what type of a sin is it. The sin for one person can be much graver than a sin for another person. Those are all individual types of considerations that you have to put in the blender and you don't know what you come out with. It's not clear in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we can talk about what an individual does. How, how as individuals, do we relate to the, to the providence of God over individuals, which is more difficult to understand. But what I want to stress over here in our conversation is that clearly especially in light of that, the best way for a person who wants to connect to the providence of God is to connect to the national existence. The national, the global existence. Because Because, through the national existence, we can see God's providence. Right. It's like, like imagine imagine if you Mm -hmm. want to get into a picture, right? And you're like, the photographer's there, and you're like, you know, you're on the side there in the auditorium, you're going like, hey, look at me, look at me. And like, the, uh, you know, you're just not getting it, why the photographer <laughs> isn't just deciding to snap his pictures of you. And then you realize like, maybe if I get on stage where everybody is, then I'll be at least part of a picture. Hmm. And you jump on the stage, and of course you get in the picture, right? Photobombing like a boss. Right, or, or, or just becoming, you decide, like, you realize, you realize that like, you're not, it's not about you. It's about how you contribute to the whole. And then you, and you realize, like, I can contribute because I'm a person who's in this class and people would want to see me, you know, in this graduation picture, whatever picture it is. And, and you know that, you know, you put yourself in a humble, more realistic position vis-a-vis your contribution. And that's when, actually, which is the part that we're getting to, you can feel the providence. You can feel, in other words, that attention of the photographer is what I'm likening to, like, being seen by God, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? If you make yourself indispensable, especially, to the whole, then you become part of the picture. Right. Right. That's ultimately the, the striving in Judaism is that we talk a lot about on the days of repentance and the Aserati Mechubah, you know, from Hashanah to Yom Kippur. But one thing I always say is that I think the process of going through the nine days and the national mourning is very conveniently, I would say, 
very uh, strategically almost placed before the process mm-hmm. of Elul and Aseretimit Shuba. Because were it not for the process of feeling part of the nation in its suffering, which is much more of an acute feeling of being part of a whole, like we said, because it's suffering and because by, by definition you just feel more uh, closer and connected and more of an affinity because we're all suffering together. And that's, I think, the genius of the laws of the, of the three weeks and the nine days because the rabbis knew in order to make this real, you have to make people suffer in a way. In other words, they have to, perhaps suffering is not exactly the word, but it's, it's restraint, it's, it's putting aside creature pleasures, which for some people, as I said, that would be suffering, right? For other people, it, does, it goes by almost, you know, so they'll eat, they won't eat meat, you know, they won't drink wine, they're not drinking wine, or eat, okay, they won't jump in the pool, they're not, but the point is, they had to do something, right? They had to do something, it was urgent in order to make it real, and to make it real so that people feel part of a whole of the Jewish people, no matter where you are in the world. Right. And once you feel part of the whole, now you can go through a process of personal perfectioning or personal, what's the word? Betterment, right? Personal tshuva, Improvement. personal repentance. Because if you, if you didn't have that first, what, what ends up being the tendency is that you go through a process of repentance that becomes all about you, which is not really the idea either. It's not like I'm repenting so that I should be saved. It's that rep, it's repenting about the fact that you haven't become more of what you could be for others, right? It's, it's repenting about how much you've ignored what it is that you can contribute to yourself and thereby contribute to others, right? And becoming more of, a, of, of, that, of that essential, indispensable person for other people around you. And more and more, um, the more important you can, you know, be, become part of that picture. And, and that's what we say that, that at the time that you get to the like the height, the climax of the ten days of tshuva, the ten days of repentance, it's the repentance is is really how you see yourself as part of the whole, right? But you won't see that. You'll get distracted by personal repentance as being like, oh, I did this, so now, you know, I cut myself short here, and I did this wrong, and I did that wrong, and I'm I'm not acting the way I should towards, you know, and I'm not doing it, and it becomes. It becomes like, okay, what's the end all of this whole process of repentance so that I should fly away alone in the heavens and get my world to come or be very happy in my life and be, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. And then a person will have gone through the whole process and missed the entire point. Which is to be part of the whole. Right. And there's, there's a million symbolisms about that that are screaming at us from all different directions that that's the way it is because ultimately we have to feel humble in front of God in front of God what is an individual there's that tension all the time that when a person says oh my gosh I'm going in front of God alone as an individual no chance right but then we have the but then we have the lifeline that says that yeah but if you come in as a whole then you then you have a chance you come in as a whole then it's as if like all the imagery of like you know, the king, if he's looking at you individually, like Ive, but if he's looking at you as like an entire nation of his family that's coming to recognize him, right, and to hear the shofar together and to, you know, the happiness of Rosh Hashanah, of the Day of Judgment, is that happiness, is that we belong to this nation. Hmm. The happiness of belonging to it, of, of feeling mitromeim, of being feeling exalted, of feeling that you have that possibility to make sense of your life as part of the whole, then that's really the, the secret. And I think that 
that's just an amazing thing if you take a look at it and, and take a look at it in terms of the the chronology of the year every year going through these periods of of Tisha B'Av and the nine days is we should come out of it with a greater love for our people with a greater love for our destiny a greater longing for um, the way th- we feel things should be in the world the way to right the wrongs of the world to to hopefully be able to see and be instrumental in righting those wrongs. It's not about just sitting on the floor and not eating meat and feeling yucky and not showering, you know? That's really what we're supposed to see. Uh, if you see it that way, you, like, you, you, got, you, you can embrace it. You know, a person can say to himself, well, if that's what it's really about, so then maybe I should be doing other things, like reaching out to people seeing how uh, I can help other people who are suffering. Connecting yourself to others. Right. In other words, it's, um, it's another counterintuitive because it's, it's a moment of, where, of mourning, and mourning is something that normally isolates people because mm. you're all sad and everything. But again, that, the sadness that, takes, that, that you know, forcibly separates us from each other, like as if, it's real mourning. It happens on the day of Tisha B'Av, on the day of the, on the ninth, you know, the ninth day of Av. That's where we sit on the floor like mourners, and we don't eat, and we and, and when people feel that way, they really feel disconnected from others. Right. There's nothing that brings pe- people together besides shared suffering than uh, like shared happiness or shared eating, you know, or shared celebration. Right. Right. But um, sometimes you need, you know, to see the, the other side of it in order to appreciate, you know, getting back together and... Like that contrast. Right. Hmm. So, so at least the days leading up to Tisha B'Av, to the ninth day of Av, should be days of, of seeing ourselves like much more connected to the whole in terms of looking at what's, what do we feel, what do we see is not going the way it should. What do we see in our people that's just something that really needs fixing that just doesn't make us proud that we would really that we would expect better and if you fe- and if you really feel it then the Lubavitcher Rebbe said you know if you really feel it then you're the one who needs to fix it if mm. you don't see it or feel it it's because you're not the one or you're just not there you're not open to it right but even if you are you know a conscious spiritual individual you don't always feel or see everything the same Mm-hmm. Certain things mean things to you because of the way you were up, your upbringing, your sensitivities, whatever it is. Right. Mm. The fact that I'm talking about this issue is because I think it does mean something to me. I, you know, I try to do some things about that, the, the collective. People, people feeling part of a community, people feeling part of and considering what it means to be part of a collective. You get along to... to to create, you know, a, a sense of harmony amongst people, different groups. That's that's important to me. Um, perhaps if I, f- you know, f- finessed it enough, and if I identified it enough strongly and, and very, very sharply, perhaps I would be doing other things with my life. I don't know. I have to think about that. Mm. But the like the rason d'atra of this, of what we're talking about is is basically saying like, what are those things that you feel that we're missing as a whole, and um, 
using this time of the of of mourning to feel like okay, this is the time we need to reflect on what it is we're missing as a people, and to get to a point on Tisha B'Av where you're actually so broken about it that you're willing, you can even cry about it. Hmm. Connecting to the to the more than just the downsides, but to the missed opportunities, missed opportunities, missed potential. Mm. There's drawbacks. There's there's another word that I'm looking for, but okay. Um, That we're missing out on or that we're not noticing as, as a people connecting to those parts and mourning for their, for their loss or for their not being here. And you're inviting us also now to all be use this time as a moment of self-reflection and trying to tap into what we perceive to be missing and, connecting to that loss of, you know, how much greater things could be, you know, what a, how painful it is that we don't have those things or those feelings, those thoughts, those values. Um, and, and the true aspect of and, what am I going to do? Right, exactly. And then taking that conscious decision to be the one who, who steps forward. To, to try to action. make change, yeah, to try to contribute. Hmm. It's, it's also God-centered, right? In other words, ultimately, we shouldn't get lost in the... And they're like, I'm gonna, and like, well, me, me. It's like, ultimately, it's trying to see the things, and try to see the vision of the world and the way we're taught God would want them. So, so interestingly, the, the, the customs and eventually the laws of these more days of mourning, interestingly enough, <clears throat> are the exact inverse than they are in a personal mourning. In a personal mourning, there's the tragedy, and then a person works his way out of the tragedy so that they can get back to life. And it's, it's, the, it's the day of the burial, and then and three days, and then seven days of Shiva, and then 30 days, and then a year. And then the idea is to get back, you know, to life so that you don't live, um, you know, mourning your whole life. Right. But when it comes to the nine days, it's actually the inverse. Right. It's that. You're bringing yourself down. Right. We're starting life. like less. We're, we're sensitizing yourself again to this, these tragedies and these missed uh, callings and opportunities in the world and the way our behavior has affected us so detrimentally and and we're getting closer and closer and the laws get stricter and stricter until they get the most strict on the day of Tisha B'Av and then after Tisha B'Av, which is like the day of the death of the commonwealth of the Jewish people and the, you know, the divorce, so to speak, then we're like launched into the world. Like after the day of Tisha B'Av, then there's no easing down from there and then you're just thrown into the year. Mm. To which I say that that concept is really because that's we need to that's the balance. In other words, where imagine how God feels. You know what I'm saying? Like we're we're thrown into this. Ultimately, when we get to Tisha B'av, we're supposed to be thinking like the greatest thing you can feel in Tisha B'av is like imagine how God feels, so to speak. I mean, if this world doesn't look like really what it was supposed to look. Imagine how painful that would be. Mm. And then you live with that pain. You have to mainstream it with, you know, at the same time living a productive life because that's what God does. God goes on, you know, maintaining the world and supervising it. Mm. Hmm. Nice. I, I like that because we, we started this conversation. I was wondering where it was going to go. Um, but it's, I feel like it, it gave me at least a very um, well-rounded view more of, of, of and 
also gives me a feeling of more purpose. Like it's not just sitting it out and waiting until it's over, waiting till it's over and, you know, getting myself ready to experience the sadness, but it's also more of an active pursuit of looking for the missed opportunities, looking for the pain points and really letting myself feel them and, and actively pushing myself to create change. And feeling the national identity. I mean, it's, we, we should be more identified with our, who, where we're from, right. where, where, where our people are. Mm-hmm. And when we're sitting here in the middle of Pennsylvania, it's definitely harder. It's so much more abstract. You, know, you can feel the difference between being here and being in Israel. It's just so much more acute there because everywhere you go, it's just, it's like the Gemara says, every person walks around with like the Churbot Yerushalayim. Like every household is like a Churbot Yerushalayim. Mm. It's a bunch of mini destructions. Everyone's carrying around baggage. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's just, it's because of, because of decisions based on other decisions, based on bad decisions, based on more bad decisions, and and an ignoring of reality and the way it should be seen. Hmm. And uh, we're living the consequences of it and trying to, and it's not, you know, it's like the Torah says, to do tshuva, it's not, it's like turning the corner. It's not, it's very close to you. It's just, just changing the attitude and sticking with it. Right. It's not like it's something you have to discover. It's not like you have to be like a, and you know, uh, mystic, or uh, I don't know what. Shaman. It's like we're filled with, like I was telling somebody um, yesterday, like we're we're filled with good ideas. People know, especially if they have a religious education, they're taught what's right. It's not like we're afraid to know what's fair and what's right. You know, we're not afraid to teach our children those things and we're telling them this is right and this is wrong. Um, <clears throat> so the question is then what? So people can fall and people can make mistakes in their life, but the the problem, I think, starts with how we react with each other, like the group dynamic. What are we doing to each other? Like the Navi always says, you know, if he doesn't start railing against us for, you know, perhaps falling in our own individual religious obligations, but he he rails about our inconsideration for each other. The way we treat each other. The way we treat each other, the way, what happens to us when we, when, we can't put aside our pride and when we need to, you know, run the nation according to what's good for the nation and not what's good for us and our own personal interests. I mean, basic things, you know. Right. When we don't take care of the downtrodden and the poor and those that are needy and um, we get lost in hedonistic tendencies and being more powerful. I mean, these are things that take down any nation, but... Hmm. It's, I, I think that we would definitely it would, we would definitely be served if we all studied how to have a more healthy group dynamic. Right. Starting from our government, starting from our communities, families. families. Like what happens to us when we sit Classrooms. together? Are we, are we generous with each other, generous with our time, generous with our consideration, with our ability to listen to somebody else, to just give them the time, to not run over them? Hmm. A lot to think about and a lot to a lot to also work towards. Work towards, yeah. That was good. All right, well you you inspired it because I saw you walking in here with like 
I'm going to go swimming. It says Rosh Chodesh. It's like you're getting, you're missing the boat, you know what I'm saying? You're missing the, it's like people eventually look for ways to get out of these things and instead of letting it help them, they just look at them as like rules that you just need to like see. You know, I was thinking of doing a seum this week, but then I was like, well, why would I do a seum so we could eat meat? I mean, like how many people are really going to be so happy about the seum, you know, and then, that's, so we don't eat meat, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, these are minor inconveniences in comparison, you know, we're just trying to feel something. And this is why I think that this podcast is important, not just for me, but I think for in general. I think that there's so many missed opportunities where we miss out on the bigger picture and the deeper meaning behind so many of the things that we do. So much, so much of Jewish life, if not everything, is so structured and so um, fleshed out and regimented and there are rules and there's like this and like that. And I remember having a conversation with your brother Yoel um, once about halacha. Um, and I started crying at the end of it because I was like so sad that like halacha has become to me, you know, because I could only talk about myself, but so much less than what it was, than what it could be. Like the way also your brother with, with Hirsch and the way he understands the fundamentals and the basics and basically the same point though about how these, the rules, the halachos and the regimens and the things that we do are meant, are given for us to feel and to connect and how far we've come from that. Um, so that yeah, was very good. And I, I don't know. I hope that whoever's listening finds that this was also inspiring and you know, meaningful. It gives you another another look at things that you might not necessarily think about. So with that, bless you with a lovely, lovely Shabbat. And okay, um, okay bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.